Welcome to The Barrel Banter, a show covering all things Milwaukee Brewers. From trades to signings, player analysis to game recaps, or discussing uniforms, ballpark food, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Peter and David Goh. Welcome, Brewers fans, to The Barrel Banter. I'm your host, Peter Goh, back again for another week, another episode of The Barrel Banter alongside David. David, welcome to the show. Thank you. We have a, a good week of Brewers baseball to talk about. They're in the middle of their road trip. I had a good baseball day, I think. May have brought it up on the show last year at some point, but went down to see the Arkansas Travelers, currently in Arkansas, going to school. So they're a double-A team affiliate of the Seattle Mariners. Got to see our beloved random brewer Tim Unroe from the 90s. His son Riley Unroe is on the team, so got to see him. There weren't any any notable prospects or other major league bloodline players, but still good to uh, see some baseball. Game was over in about two hours and five minutes. It was a seven-inning doubleheader game that we were at, so uh, that, that felt strange to be out of the ballpark by 3.15 on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, no, definitely reminds, probably, uh, yeah, it, it was definitely reminiscent. I even experienced that when I went to a Brewers game. It wasn't, of course, seven innings or two two hours, five minutes, but I got to the game super late. It was, I think I mentioned this last week, the uh, mess of a, of a game it was trying to get to the game Saturday against the, the Cardinals in that uh, series. And yeah, I got, I got to my seat at the start of the third inning, which is a whole long story, but I, I was like, the Brewers ended up, you know, getting down 6 nothing, And by, like, the 6th or 7th, I'm like, this is just a depressing game. Like, I'm like, I kind of just, I, I, I want to be here. I want to watch the Brewers, but we're down 6 nothing, and it was just a massive a day or massive a game. And I was like, I, I kind of want to go, but I've literally seen three hours, and it's been, like, an hour. And I think I ended up only seeing, like, six, five innings, and I was, yeah, I was there for, like, two hours. It was a strange feeling. And I also noticed they, they even... Like they implemented a, a brat, um, like you know how the Bucks have like the brat cannon and they mm-hmm. throw out brats. The Brewers implemented that this year, where they have like yeah people throwing brats. Um, but the problem is like when you're at the Bucks game, so like I, I I generally am in the second level. Actually, I should say I've I've always been on the second level. I haven't sat on the first level level at Fiserv. True confession there, but but they they throw the brats you know and they shoot them out of the cannon and unless you're in like the first couple rows of the second second level like you're not you're not getting a brat. Well, like at the Brewer game, like there's forty two thousand people there and then they've got like the cheerleaders throwing brats like from the dugout. So they're getting like the like eight rows deep, maybe twelve rows if it's blowing out to to you know section one twenty four. Um, so they had that and they had like but when they did that they had all the lights going off in the stadium. It was very reminiscent of the Bucks. Um, so I don't know if the Brewers are going to do more more stuff like that like as that. they try to, like, increase the, I don't know, if you whatever you want to call that, wild factor, entertainment, lights, mm. whatever, whatever that is. I thought you were going to say as they were, they, as they were moving the Bratzuka along that they just shot him into the net, and the net was too high that it <laughs> blocked all the Brats. True. That's, I didn't even think about that, yeah. You, you, they, well, they, if, they, I think if they, they were on the dugout, though, they, yeah. of course, were, are, are past the netting. But yeah, that was their that was their solution. Yeah, but up in up in the the nosebleeds, you're you're definitely not catching a brat. So yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know how I got on that, but that was something new that that seems to be uh, in play, and it just was reminiscent of the of kind of the Bucks, you know, during timeouts and the stuff that they do. Uh, we won't mention the Bucks uh, start to the playoffs at this point, but we will jump to our random player of the day, brought to us from Twitter at Sal Doogie. Thanks, Sal, for bringing this one. This is a name that I have actually never heard of, so it is a very random player because I've never heard of him. So, David, please enlighten us. Today's random player of the day is Kurt Bavakwa. He was a brewer in 1975 and 76. He hit 226 as a utility player, played both infield and outfield, and though he only played two years with the Brewers, he had a 15-year major league career He's most known for hitting 412 with two home runs in the 1984 World Series as a member of the Padres. They lost that World Series to the Tigers, but he's become sort of a cult hero in in Padres lore. The Padres have never won a World Series, so that team and the 98 team are revered. Maybe not quite as much as the 82 Brewers, but to a similar level. And he's he had the best series of, of, of all the Padres in that year. When he was a Brewer in 1975, 
he caused a bench-clearing brawl with George Brett. He was playing second base and got into some sort of argument with George Brett, caused a big brawl. He was all NJCAA third team at Miami-Dade College, junior college, when he got, got drafted out of there. He was nicknamed Dirty Kurt. They say that it was because his uniform was always the dirtiest on the field. It also may have been the fact that he started numerous benches clearing brawls. Don't know, maybe both of them. And this is perhaps the uh, biggest accomplishment of his career. I don't mean to, to demean his career, because, of course, he had a 15-year playing career. But I just find this one to be funny. He won the 1976 World Series of Bubblegum Blowing by Top. He had a bubblegum of... A bubble, well, a bubblegum bubble, I guess, of diameter of 18.5 inches, which is impressive. And he won $1,000 for it. They had a tournament of one player from each team, one representative, and they went matchup by matchup. I, I don't know if Top sent representatives to each of the players' stadiums. I don't know if they all gathered in one location and went head-to-head, and that was how they determined it. I'm, I'm not exactly sure how the, uh, how the tournament was conducted, but there were numerous articles I found on this 1976 World Series a bubblegum blowing competition. Kurt Bavakwa walked away the winner. So a huge accomplishment. Didn't end up winning the World Series in 84, but he did win the 1976 World Series of bubblegum blowing. He, he retired as a world champion. That's, he did. That is, that is correct. And it's kind of funny that like they would publicize that the player got $1,000 for winning it because like, mm-hmm. nowadays, even if they did get paid something, they wouldn't publicize it. And normally, for those types of things, you know, they're they're going to represent a charity or something like that, mm. and it's more than more than a thousand dollars as well. Usually at this uh, at this point, but that is maybe we can do a, a minute on the inflation. Lately. Oh yeah, there we go, there we go. Always got to bring yeah, there we go. Bring some bring a financial aspect to uh to the podcast. There we go. Yeah, a thousand dollars. Yeah, he would have won. What yeah, seventies now 50, 50 years ago almost. So I guess there's a Boy, it was nineteen seventy six was fifty years ago. Feels like just yesterday. It does. I know, right? Back back when we were watching the Brewers in '76, yeah. six to Lascano. Man. <laughs> so let's let's review uh, the week for the Brewers. Of course, like you said, continuing on the road trip, three game set in Arizona, and then a four game series in San Diego. Brewers dropping, unfortunately, two out of three from Arizona. A uh, bit of an unfortunate a series loss there. Is that the first series loss the Brewers have had? I think this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess all things considered, that's uh, certainly not too bad here in the middle of April. And the Brewers taking three out of four from a really good San Diego team on the road. Seems like the Brewers seem to have their number on the road. Like, the, like they it. just yeah, they I don't know I don't know the the hard so numbers, the hard the facts. The D-man Troy walk off in 2018, maybe opening series. Oh, yeah. If not, yeah. if not, you might have to go all the way back to the Ryan Braun three home run game. Was that 07 or or 08? I. I think it might have been 07. <clears throat> was it really? Hmm. Yeah, I'm not. I forget. I, I didn't realize it was that. He that always he always destroyed the Padres. Though, he did. He in did. General. So we might be meshing together a few games in our memories. Either way, either way, the Brewers, like I said, taking taking overall five of seven um, uh, on the week. Solid week, also on the road, and they they see themselves atop the NL Central. Um, continued here in this week, eleven and five, two games above the Cubs and the Pirates. All ironically, um, Cardinals uh, at seven and nine. So Brewers are off to a good start, record-wise, uh, but certainly some un- unfortunate news on several fronts. The biggest, of course, being Brandon Woodruff, which we'll get to more in depth. But uh, Woodruff's going to be out for a while, certainly. A couple other transactions to mention. Gus Varland over to the injured list. Um, a pretty scary uh, situation there in game three of that uh, series, I believe, in the eighth inning when Machado hit a, a comeback. Of course, it was Machado. Just another reason not to like him. But I guess this one probably wasn't quite intentional. He did hit a ball 105 miles an hour mm-hmm. right back up the middle. And uh, looks sounds like Varland's right hand took the, took the blunt of it and then hit his jaw. Um, but seems like all things considered – he, I guess, couldn't have, it couldn't have gone much better after the fact. And, and so he'll hopefully just be on a short stint on the IL. Uh, Elvis Piguero recalled by the Brewers. Um, Peyton Henry DFA'd. Colin Ray 
recalled. We got to see Ray start. Um, he had a, a very nice outing in San Diego, five and a third, one run. Um, Jansen Junk was brought up and then ultimately optioned again. So kind of a, a busy week on the transaction front. And before we get to um, the Woodruff injury and the impact that'll have for the Brewers, let's go on our three up, three down segment here. David, I'll go first here on three up so far for the week. Corbin Burns, I think, is the first up. We talked about his slow start. He looked absolutely dominant. Uh, I think it was, I'm trying to remember if it was Caratini or Contreras who caught him that game. Uh, whichever of the catchers uh, that, that caught him that game said that it felt like it was a video game. That it was probably, I think Council said it was one of the best starts he's ever seen from Burns, if I remember correctly. So I, a lot I of that well in MLB The Show, I wouldn't lose any games. Yeah, that, no, definitely not. Well, against me, you, you probably wouldn't either. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you make, you make too many base running mistakes. That's true. I'd have the I'd have a three one lead in like the eighth, and then I'd do mm-hmm. something stupid, and yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. every time. But um, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like Burns was certainly on, and he dominated. Um, Brewers opted not to give him the the complete game. What do you have? Like eighty nine pitches mm-hmm. going through eight. going into the ninth. I was very yeah. disappointed. Yeah, so no no CG for Burns, but he was outstanding, so that was good to see him get back on track, especially Brewers are going to need it uh, with the loss of Woodruff. Roddy Telez, similarly, also getting back on track. He was tearing the cover off the ball. Um, the Brewers' leader in home runs now. He had four home runs in this week, I believe. I think five for the season, if I'm not mistaken. So he's starting to keep things up. And, and ironically, last week we talked about, uh, I think on our three down, we had Brewers first baseman and Telez goes and hits four home runs this week. Luke Voigt's hitting the ball better now. Um, his average is up to 275 and jumped like 100 points in a week. Um, so that that was good to see offensively from the first base position. And then Peter Strzelecki, he's been really, really good, uh, yet to allow a run yet um, across any of his outings so far. Seven games, one win. Got to shout out that win. Seven and a third innings, four hits, one walk, three Ks. Kind of surprisingly three Ks, but .68 whip. He's been really good. And, David, you pointed out, too, that the Brewers went to Strzelecki in a one nothing game in the eighth in that series finale, um, not Matt Bush, who hasn't been off to the greatest of starts. So that, I think, says a lot about what he's been able to do this year, the level of trust Craig Council has. And maybe we see Peter Strzelecki more step into that eighth inning role. And uh, I'm excited to see – the season he can have because I was, you know, hoping we've had a couple guys like Strzelecki, like I think about Jake Cousins who had a really good year, but that was kind of, that was kind of it, at least uh, one good year. Um, hopefully not the case for Hobie Milner, but to see it come, you know, continue into the second season has been exciting and uh, I think gives a, a lot of confidence to a Brewers pitching staff that's uh, recently been plagued by some injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the uh, decision to have Strzelecki pitch the eighth inning on Sunday. I don't know if that'll be what they continue to do, but one of my friends actually texted me two days ago, maybe. It was it was after the game that Bush blew that, that uh, lead, allowed a two-run shot to Grisham, it was. And he, sorry, I lost my uh, train of thought, saw a friend over um, through the window. But he, he asked me if uh, Strzelecki was going to um, was going to take over the eighth inning for Bush. I said probably not till at least the end of April. I think they'll give it a few more weeks with Bush. But it seems like he may have been right. We don't know if he's going to go to Bush or Strzelecki going forward. Is this a one-time thing or is this an every-time thing? But it looks like they may be going to Strzelecki in the future. So shout out to Luke. I know, or at least I believe he's a loyal listener to the podcast. He'll, he'll give me his insights. And he, he saw this one coming before I did. So... Shout out to Luke for beating me to it with uh, Strzelecki taking over the eighth inning for the Brewers. Uh, there were a few downs this week, though. I'll go through those, give you the uh, optimistic side, and I'll, I'll take the, the downs. It's a little bit harder to find the downs right now with the, the Brewers being 10-4. and four, But the Woodruff injury, of course, is the first down. He'll be out for a while, perhaps till the All-Star break, and we'll spend more time breaking that down after this. So I'll, I'll go forward to the next one. Joey Weimer's been struggling a little bit. Honestly, kind of all the uh, freshmen have. Bryce Turang, Garrett Mitchell had rough weeks as well. It's important, I think, not to overreact to that. It's their second, third week of Major League Baseball for uh, Turang and Weimer. Mitchell, I mean, he only was in the majors for a month before this year, so it's not like 
it's not like they're experienced veterans. It's one week, so I think it's important not to overreact. But it is notable that Weimer is hitting about 330 off of fastballs and zero off of breaking balls. He doesn't have a hit off of a breaking ball yet. That was a big question, or, or a big question, coming into his, his call-up was, is he going to be able to hit for a high enough average? And specifically, he's a fastball hitter. He always punts the fastball, and he struggles a little bit more with the breaking ball. That's something you can get away with a little bit more in the minor leagues. But when you get to the majors with pitchers locating their fastballs better, being able to locate their breaking balls and throw breaking balls in fastball counts, that's a big difference between the major league game and the triple-A game, the double-A game. I think especially double-A where you, you don't have as experienced of pitchers. And he only spent about a month and a half in triple-A last year. So is that something where long-term we should be concerned about it? I don't think so, but I think it may, might just be a reminder that we need to have a little bit more reasonable expectations for Weimer and, and for Bryce Turang and Garrett Mitchell for this year. And lastly, the, the third down is a tough start for Matt Bush. He really hasn't been all that bad. I mean, his ERA is under four. He has been fine. He hasn't looked great in some of his appearances. Of course, allowed that two-run homer, but Bush hasn't been great. And with the way that Strzelecki's been pitching, he'll probably get demoted. I guess you can look at it as one up and one down with Strzelecki being the up, Strzelecki performing well, and Matt Bush not performing as well. I don't think this is something to be concerned about long-term either, but I think it might be something where Bush needs to get back on track, give him some lower leverage innings. I don't think going into the year there was a huge separation in talent level between Matt Bush and Peter Strzelecki. So I think it's, it's not too surprising to see that shift coming in already this early on in the year. Yeah, and you mentioned the the freshman not not performing great this week. Brew was still winning five of seven this week, even with relatively poor performance from all those players. Um, so, I mean, all things considered, like you said, Brewers Brewers sitting at eleven and five, or you know, early into the season, it, it's things are going quite well. Besides, I think the biggest thing are, are just the Brewers have had a hard time just staying healthy. So, uh, I think let's let's take a look here. Um, at our first topic here, which is Brendan Woodruff, which is, of course, the biggest news of the week. Uh, so, David, why don't you give us some injury details on Woodruff, um, and then we can dive into how the Brewers will look to replace a guy like Woodruff's caliber. He was diagnosed with the grade 2 subscapularis strain, which is a, a muscle in the shoulder. It is non-surgical, so that's, that's a big positive. Shoulder surgery is never something that you want to mess with. Think back to Freddie Peralta's injury he suffered last year. That was a Tiri's major strain, and he was about out about two months. I think it was maybe two and a half months. Now, they're different muscles, so they, they can impact you differently, but you might see strain and think he'll only be out a couple weeks. It, with a shoulder area strain, it's probably going to be more than that. He didn't give an exact timetable. Council didn't. They're going to reassess with the doctors back in Milwaukee after the Seattle series. But he did say that if it were midseason, it might put him out the rest of the year. So with him saying something along those lines, it seems to indicate that he might be out until the All-Star break, which is, of course, not the news you want to hear. He did say that he's going to make sure he doesn't rush back to the field. He doesn't want to re-injure anything or put his long-term health or even his health for the second half in jeopardy by trying to make too much of a comeback or too quick of a comeback from this, this shoulder injury, and we'll get more information in the coming days. We'll probably have a clearer timetable next week when we when we uh, come back for our next episode and when he meets with the doctors, when he updates the press and, and council does as well. So definitely not the news you want to be hearing from a starter that has been the Brewers' best starter so far. He's been one of the best starters in recent memory, recent, recent MLB uh, history, history, recent MLB recently in MLB. <laughs> there it is. How you would say it. Yeah. And he's, he's an arm you don't want to miss. So certainly not the news you want to be hearing, but glad that it's non-surgical at least. Yeah. No, that is that is definitely one of the bright spots. I mean, you think about Brandon Woodruff's durability that he's had. Last year, he had 27 starts for the Brewers. 2021, he had 30 starts. 2020, of course, the shortened season, he had 13 starts. Didn't he? I think he led the the majors with season, so. yeah, I think so. With thirteen starts, if not, he was up there. And he was the only healthy starter for the playoffs. 
<laughs> he was our only, well, not not our only starter because we, uh, well, yeah, Burns. That's right. That's yeah, right. Burns, Burns was hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So. I forgot about that. Brent yeah. Started. That's right. 20, 2019, 22 starts. So, I mean, he's been really durable. Even actually 2018, I didn't even realize. Um, that one, he had 19 games, only four starts. He was still kind of in that swingman role. But uh, Burns has had, you know, 106 starts in his career, and he's been super durable. So this is definitely the biggest injury that he's had that'll set him back um, since his time in the rotation. I also didn't realize his MLB career ERA is 3.14. I, I mean, that's underappreciated. That's in franchise history, I think. Minimum yeah. 400 innings, something 500 innings. Yeah, I don't know how many 624 innings that that he's had. So I doubt that anybody would have, would match that with, uh, across 624 innings. So underappreciated as as always, uh, both I think for the Brewers and definitely in baseball. But he'll be a huge he'll be a huge uh, a miss for the Brewers, and, and certainly he's not going to be replaced with any guys that the Brewers plug and play to replace him. But I mean, who do you think steps in for a guy like Woodruff? who, you know, was projected to be a top 10 pitcher in all of baseball by fan graphs and has, you know, been outstanding for these last couple of years. So who did the Brewers look to step in to fill that role? Well, for now, it's Colin Ray. He pitched pretty well in, in his first outing. You can't expect Colin Ray to be anywhere close to Brandon Woodruff. Craig Council said that they're really not prepared to lose Brandon Woodruff, and there's really no way you can be. Nobody has a depth starter who's a, a top 10 pitcher in baseball. <laughs> I mean, it's just impossible to have a pitcher of that caliber step in. But Colin Ray delivered in his first start. Adrian Hauser started a rehab assignment this past week. So Hauser is probably the next in line to get some starts. And when you think about the fact that, yeah, they're not prepared for Woodruff to be gone for, for a couple months, when you think about Hauser being a guy that a couple years ago had a, an ERA in the low threes, and even last year, he wasn't great, but he was still a serviceable back-end starter he might be one of the best six starters in baseball. So, so to have him step in, they've already lost Ashby and they lost Woodruff now for some time. Last year, we'd be having Jason Alexander make starts, Chichi Gonzalez. This year, we have Adrian Hauser stepping in. That's a big difference. I think having Hauser in that spot could be one of those, one of those uh, players that fills in that ends up being the difference between 87 and 89 wins or the difference between a wild card spot and a division championship. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're totally right. I, I think it just speaks. I, I feel like we've said this several times, but the Wade Miley addition has, I, I mean, he can, he could have a, a not very good year this year and it would still be a good signing because we lost, of course we lost Ashby. Hauser then went on the IL now Woodruff. So if we didn't have a Wade Miley, we'd be in a much tougher situation mm -hmm. because Adrian Hauser would be coming back and he'd be filling in. But then we'd be looking at Burns, Lauer, Peralta, Hauser, and then you kind of get stuck in that spot where we were last year where it's Jason Alexander, Colin Ray, or an arm like that who's very unproven uh, or proven to be not very good um, in in time in, in the majors. So Wade Miley is huge. He had a great start um, in, in that series finale against the Padres. I think went seven innings, no runs, mm -hmm. um, and the Brewers were able to squeak out that one-run victory. So Wade Miley, I've said this several times i'll say it again that addition i think was was really important in, in adding the depth that we didn't think we would need in mid-april but we have mm -hmm. um and, and yeah. we're gonna need it now i mean with with woodruff out you know for a longer longer period and ashby as well um, potentially out for even the whole year we're definitely gonna need it um hopefully the rest of the five starters burns lauer peralta uh, miley and hauser when he gets back can stay healthy before woodruff returns or else we do end up you know, seeing more starts from Colin Ray mm -hmm. or, or, I don't know, Jansen Junk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 18 innings, three runs for Wade Miley so far in the early going. That's huge. That's been, that's been a hugely important aspect of the team's success so far, not only getting production from the top three starters, but also a guy like Wade Miley. And there are some really bad baseball cliches, but one of them that I would say is not a bad cliche is you can never have too much pitching. It is very cliche, but it, it is true. I, I do acknowledge the truth of it, and this is a perfect example of that, where you, you signed Wade Miley to be your five-starter, pushed back Hauser and Aaron Ashby, who are both capable big league starters, and now you need all seven of them with, with two of them down. So 
having that depth is is extremely important, and the Brewers are are able to weather the storms of the Woodruff injury and some other injuries with their depth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you said, yeah, really needing all seven, and we're just a couple of weeks mm-hmm. into the season, so yeah, right. that's proven, proven, proven true. Um, that's for sure. Let's switch gears here to Craig Council, our uh, our favorite Brewers manager. Passing record uh, in the franchise for most games managed. So kind of think about, kind of crazy to think about the fact that Council's been here a long time, longest tenured manager in all of baseball at this point, and is renowned as one of the best. I think uh, one of the player polls last year, if I'm not mistaken, had Council as, as the best manager um, in baseball, according to the player poll, and, and Rowdy Telez was on um, flipping bats with Ben Verlander. He was talking about how great Council is as a manager. Um, coming from a guy who played for a long time, of course, and uh, Telez said, Rowdy said it was his, uh, thinks he's the best manager he's ever played for, um, mm-hmm. which is a, certainly a compliment to him. So why don't you take us back to the beginning? It feels like forever ago the Brewers were a completely different franchise when Greg and Craig Council took over the helm when they are now. But it's it's kind of been a, an up and down ride um, since since Council's time. So why don't you take us back to take us back to the beginning? Mm-hmm. It was 2015. Ron Renneke was the manager at the time. He had a 7-18 and 18 start to the year. That was a team that had a lot of veterans on it. Remember the 2014 team? They were leading in the division for most of the year, but then ended up falling out of the division race. Only won 82 games. I think already at that point, Renneke was on the hot seat. Ended up starting the year, but started off poorly and had some had some talent on the team. They had Carlos Gomez, Lucroy had a very injury-riddled season that year. They had traded Gallardo, but they still had Adam Lind. They had Aramis Ramirez. They had some pieces there, but Renneke wasn't able to keep the pieces together to uh, make a competitive push early in the year. The Brewers decided to move on from him. And if you remember, Craig Council was a player, then he became a special assistant to Doug Melvin, and it seemed like he was perhaps being groomed to be the next GM or to work in a front office role and not as the next manager. But he ended up becoming the next manager. They hired him. I remember specifically thinking it was a little bit strange at the time, but they decided to sign him to a three-year contract right away. Instead of signing him to an interim contract, like most managers were signed to when they were hired midseason, I think part of that was Doug Melvin knew he was stepping down at the end of the year, and he wanted counsel to continue with the new GM. He he wanted counsel there. It turned out being a turned out to be a good move. 2015, they didn't have a great year overall. They only won 68 games, but I think they overperformed a little bit already in 2016 by winning 73 games. Of course, helped them back to uh, relevancy and back to contention already in 2017. So the beginnings, I sometimes forget about the fact that he hadn't had any coaching or managing experience. He did coach in the Whitefish Bay Little League program, so he did have some coaching experience. And I think that that was where he was when he was uh, being hired. The Brewers wanted to contact him, and they couldn't get a hold of him, and it was because he was coaching his son in uh, the Whitefish Bay Little League, his son who I guess probably is going off to college now to play at Michigan next year. But... Uh, but he didn't have any any major league coaching experience and goes in, and does a, an excellent job with the Brewers. He's he's been hands down the the best manager in franchise history. You would agree, right? No, no question that, that that's the case. And even if you look at 2017 when the Brewers finished second in the division with 86 wins, followed that up with a division win in 2018, then 2019 finished second, 2020 of course. We finished fourth in the division, but we made the playoffs in that in that shortened season, going twenty nine and thirty one. We also had that roster of uh, Ryan Healy and Eric Stogard and yes. Justin Smoke. Yes, definitely. But then, of course, Brewers winning the division in twenty one, finishing second in twenty two. So, I mean, if you look at their finishes since twenty seventeen, second, first, second, fourth during the COVID year, first, second, and hey, they're first in the division right now so far um, at this point in the season. So, um, it, yeah, I, I think I mean. He's been he's been outstanding. I do remember the time uh, thinking about the the Brewers deciding to hire him as manager. It, it was pretty surprising. They, they they decided to do that given the the role in the front office and and limited 
coaching experience, let's just say, but he has been outstanding. And overall, David, from his, his tenure dating back to 2015 to now, how would you grade the tenure that, that Craig Council has had? I'd give him an A. He's done an, an excellent job. He's been, I'd say, the staple of the organization. Even we saw GM change from uh, Stearns to Arnold and Council stayed through it. We don't know if Council will be here beyond this year, but that's not reflective of his performance. That's reflective of whether or not he wants to keep managing with the stage he's at with his family and, and his other commitments. So he's somebody that's been in the organization, not only just for a while, but also a high-ranking member of the organization that has done an excellent job as at his position. That's something that is, is pretty rare. And of course, he's the longest tenured manager in the NL. I think he's third overall in, in Major League Baseball. So I would say he's he's done a great job. I mean, if you hire somebody and he becomes the best manager in the history of your fa- franchise, got to be at least an A minus, right? I was going to say, can I can I give him an A plus without the, without the Brewers making the World Series in his in his tenure? Is that is that allowed? I mean, you think about if you if you were to ask me in 2015 when the Brewers that like you said are are what were they seven and 18 or whatever, and the Brewers fire Ron Renneke and you say, hey, Council's going to take you know manage the Brewers. Let's just say through 2023, we're gonna you know finish top two in the division from 17 to 23. We're gonna be a game away from knocking off the Dodgers and going to the World Series, and the the whole franchise is gonna morph into the, the talent the Brewers have right now. I mean, was you know is he the only one at, at, at play? No, of course David Stearns, Matt Arnold had had big roles in it, but especially as Stearns has stepped away, if Council continues with the Brewers even for a couple more years. He'll kind of be the face of this of this run that the Brewers have been on, dating back to probably the 2018, 2017 or so season, more so than David Stearns or Matt Arnold or Mark Atanasio. He, I think, would really be the face of this, I guess you would call it, chapter or era in Brewers baseball. Um, and I think it continues to be that way. And and I really would, I really would say, besides the fact that the Brewers haven't made a World Series, that I think would be the only knock um, that you'd have. And you think about the. The, the talent he's had through through the years, we talked about it, I think, just last last episode, whether this was the, the most talented Brewers team that the Brewers have ever had. I think it's definitely the most talented team that, that, that Council's managed. Mm-hmm. And he managed to win, you know, 95 wins in 2021, 96 wins in 2018. I think mm-hmm. the 2018 one's even more impressive. Well, and I think um, the most impressive might be 2017. 86 wins, didn't make the playoffs. But, I mean, look at their roster. They had... Part of it could be attributed to their success with, I think, with the pitching coaches, with their development maybe. But their their starting rotation, we won't we won't go through their entire roster. But their starting rotation consisted of Zach Davies, Jimmy Nelson. That was Jimmy Nelson's best year. But uh, Chase Anderson, well, also career year. Matt Garza, half a year of Brent Suter, half a year of Junior Guerra, in the rotation. And starters included on the uh, position player side of things, Jonathan VR, who had a 72 OPS plus. They had Keon in center, Domingo in right. They had some pieces. They had Thames and Shaw and Pina, Braun, but they didn't have any real stars, and they didn't have the the current pitching that they have to to carry the offense. And they still won 86 games. I think that's maybe even more impressive that Council did that than uh, than even the 96 win campaign. That's true. That's true. And yeah, I mean, council's got some time where he could manage for a long time if he wanted. And he, he's earned himself a long leash in Milwaukee. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So I think he could, he could definitely manage for years to come. If he, if that's the route he does want to go 52 look going on like 40, um, mm-hmm. doesn't really look like he's changed in the last 25 years. <laughs> uh, but no. I mean, managers, you man, managers manage for a while. So, I mean, Theoretically, he could manage for another, who knows, 20 years if you talk about a, a Tony La Russa, Joe Torre, dare I even say Connie Mack, um, or Jack he McKeon. He start wearing a suit into the <laughs> stadium. That's when he'll retire. Once he has to take off the Craig Council sweatshirt, that's probably yeah. time where, where he'll hang it up. But just briefly, I don't want to go down too too far on this tangent, but briefly, what, what who, who any potential people that you could see as candidates – I'll take Craig Council decides to move on at the end of the year um, and spend more time with his family as his kids go off to college and pursue their own careers. 
I guess anybody that comes to mind, David, that, that you would say is maybe a way too early candidate to replace Craig Council if he had to go. Clearly, both of us, neither of us want to see him leave, given our, our grades of A plus and A on his <laughs> tenure. But if we have to throw anybody out, anyone that comes to mind for you. Maybe uh, Ken Maka. <laughs> I couldn't even keep a straight face on that one. <laughs> I, I would have to do some, uh, some further research. There are, there are a couple of veteran managers who have been let go of recently. There was, uh, well, yeah, there was Joe Madden. There was, it, it depends, of course, what direction they decide to go. There's Joe Girardi. There was also Mike Schilt, who was pretty successful with the Cardinals before, uh, before being let go. He, I don't think he would probably be the best fit because he was said to uh, eschew the uh, advice of the analytics department, and that's partly what led to his firing. The Brewers are even more of an analytical team than the Cardinals are. So I don't know if he would be the best fit, but nonetheless, a, a, a manager with, ma- with major league success. Ron Washington is another one. I think it's, it's possible that they would go with, uh, with a young guy, but at the same time, they're, they're at that position where you're not trying to build something up. You're, you're more trying to get somebody that's going to let the players play. They've got plenty of talent on the roster. So I think maybe a veteran manager would be the right move if they do have to hire a new manager for, uh, for next year. So that's definitely something that we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. We hope we don't get to that bridge. But if we do, that's something that we'll cover in quite a lot of depth in, uh, in the offseason. And I mean, I say we don't, we don't want to get there. And we don't, but also I, I feel like that'd be kind of fun to talk about managerial candidates. We've <laughs> never done that on the podcast. We've done no. a lot of things. We've no. talked about whether when the COVID season is going to start. We've talked about their playoff series a few times. We've tried to uh, tried to explain away some moves they've had, cope with the loss against the Braves in the playoffs, but we've never had to do this. We, we even talked about uh, GM-related things with uh, David Stearns. So. True. True. There, there, that would be an interesting one. I'd be curious to see what the, what direction the Brewers would go with a with a new manager, but we'll we'll see in in the future. What about uh, Jonathan Lucroy? How about how about bringing back Lucroy? Yeah, I mean, again, no managerial experience, so could uh, could work out well. Could not. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if Lucroy wants to. I know he's getting pretty uh, invested in business related ventures. He's gotten pretty involved in uh, things back, either back home or in, in Florida or uh, various places. But he is connected with the organization, so I suppose if there's going to be a former player, maybe him. I don't know if any of the, the current coaches are guys that I could see being hired. I don't. I don't see them going to Pat Murphy. I think if Council steps down, I think Murphy will retire. Yeah, and I, agree. I don't. I don't really see someone like Jason Lane or Chris Hook, Quentin Berry. No. I don't. I don't see any of them. Barry. Jim Henderson. Let's go. Jim Henderson, yeah. <laughs> former player and current coach. No, we missed out on the Mark Kotze, uh former player opportunity there. But we had a we had yeah. a couple like veteran outfielders. My Jim Edmonds, Curtis Granderson. Yeah, I have a. We we didn't have a trivia question. Do you want a, a quick on the spot trivia question that you right. probably are not going to get right? That that's. I appreciate the optimism here. How many current MLB managers? Our former Brewers players. All right. Well, we've got 30 teams. Craig Council played for the Brewers. Mark Hotz, of course, played for the Brewers. So that's two. I am not going to try to embarrass myself and, and list off each of them. But knowing that we already have two and you're asking me the question, and I feel like the Brewers have a, a knack for creating managers, I'm going to go six. Hey. <laughs> we got it. All right, can you let me know who did I miss? Who are the four that I missed that I just threw out a random number there? Gabe Kapler is one of them. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm going to see if I can name. I might. I bet I could eventually. Let's see. That's three. Terry Francona played a year with the Brewers ah. in 1990. That's four. Our listeners might get to it quicker than uh, we will. Cardinals. Oh, Gabe Kapler. Oh, you already said Kapler. I already said him. 
Yeah, let me make this quicker. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, give up on, on you trying to pull off on the spot. Hey, you were making fun of me for not going to be able to get all six, and, and now you're only able to name oh, – you named two more. That's right. Francona. Yeah. Francona I would have I, – I forgot about Terry Francona. I, I would have never remembered that one. Oh, but, David Bell. He's the right. Red manager. He played for the Brewers in, I think, 06. And yeah. Wait, where's the I last one? I better not have messed up the trivia question. <laughs> eh. I'm almost positive. Oh, maybe it was six as of last year. Maybe I, I did mess up the trivia question. I was thinking about... Um... I was thinking about Ned Yost, but of course his uh, tenure with the Royals is over. So that has yeah. been for a while. But has been for yeah, a couple of years. Yeah. Well, Twitter will help us out. Uh, you, you nailed the trivia question. I, I put you on the spot. I thought you had all six ready, ready I to go. <laughs> I was working on this uh, a couple a uh, couple weeks ago, thinking about former managers that uh, were Brewers, but. Well, this, this goes right into our uh, weekly random, since this has been the last two minutes here, um, which is our, our weekly random topic at the end, brought to us either by David or our listeners via Twitter. So this is a, kind of a statement, I guess, our thoughts on the City Connect uniforms. So I, I'll go first here. Um, I'm, I'm overall a pretty, pretty big fan of the City Connect uniforms. I think they're overall really well done. And I'm a I'm a big fan of the of the Brew Crew. I do actually really like that that logo right on the front of the jersey. Uh, everybody's a fan, I think, of the of the grill logo on the on the sleeve. So that's that's a nice touch. That's a that's nice. The hat, I meh, it's okay. I can take it or leave it, I guess. But I've also thought about whether that it would look better as like a pullover jersey as opposed to the traditional button. Especially like I've got a Urias City Connect jersey and. The space between the buttons for the Brew Crew logo is like ridiculously large, mm-hmm. so I wonder if the the pullover would have been the the better look on the, I think it, yeah. the jersey. Um, and it fits the it fits the style. Like you wouldn't put a pullover jersey as as like one of their main staple uniforms, but I feel like you could pull that off. So that's maybe my only my only other thought besides the uh, I think the hat's just okay. Mm-hmm. By the way, so it was six as of last year. So it was only five. Mike Matheny was the sixth one last year when he managed the Royals. So I uh, I stand corrected. I guess both of us are wrong because you guessed six, and the answer was five, but I didn't even know the right answer. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, take the, I'll take the responsibility on that one. That's but, that's why we don't we don't uh, try to do live trivia questions. I guess no, that's not that's, that's and I and I, I you know I just misheard you. I was thinking twenty twenty two managers, and that's where right. the six came from. So right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Next week will be uh, how many former Brewers were managing in 1987. There we go. You got that one. Let's let's plan ahead a little bit so we make sure we get it right. As for the uh, the City Connect uniforms, though, I, I would say they're okay. There's been a lot of debate on Twitter recently about them. I like the color. The powder blue is nice. I don't really like the font of the the Brew Crew. It's kind of tacky to me. It looks a little bit like a cartoon, or or something you'd see at. Nickelodeon universe or something like that but the the color is good and the yellow I like there's there's the little details like the sleeve piping relating to the foam on a beer that I thought that's kind of a, an interesting touch the grill patch I like it on the sleeve I don't like the hats I'm along with you on that one it's a little bit too much I I think the the that MKE 414 logo might look better on a sleeve I don't know. Do you think the grill patch would look fine on their hat, or do you think they they would be better off just going with the ball and glove? Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I mean I like it. I I, I mean they they've got they've obviously turned them into hats of them, and they're pretty cool. But I don't know if they would pull that off for a mm-hmm. regular season uniform right. like spring training. I don't know. I don't know. I, I I really like the logo, but I don't know if I necessarily would say it. I I choose it for the main. The main logo. I feel like they missed missed the bar a little bit on the hat logo, mm-hmm. but I agree. The just the like I like the concept of the four one four MKB. That's a cool concept, mm-hmm. but I it it's not the best design for a hat. I agree. It mm-hmm. could be a t shirt or like you said a, a sleeve patch, but 
That's a good question. I, they could. I don't know if they. I don't know if you try to make a a different version of the ball and glove logo there with different either colors or design, or if you just stick with Put the, the original the one. <laughs> we, we talked about that back in. I feel like it was more two years ago that we talked about the original ball think, and glove logo. I think uh, you spent like two two solo episodes just on that. I think right. Probably. <laughs> I was pretty passionate about that one. Should be a, you should, yeah, there should be a, you should write at least one or two Substack articles just on the the, the disrespect the they, they did to the uh, to rotating the baseball in the logo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the other thing I would I would add to it is that I think they should have powder blue pants to match it. At least when they wear it on the road. They don't wear it on the road much, but when they do with the gray pants, a rough look in my opinion. At home, the white pants aren't as big of a deal, but I, I think it would still look better if they had powder blue pants. Whenever I play MLB The Show with the City Connects, I always match it with the blue pants from the 70s that are that are on there. The other thing is I don't like having powder blue in the hat. To me, when you have a powder blue uniform, the hat should be non-powder blue. It should be the typical team colors. So that would be my other, my other uh, opinion about it. The City Connect overall, I mean, we, we, we don't have to talk about the uh, the whole concept of City Connects, but I think I'm not as big of a fan as the typical person, and maybe I don't like the outlandish uniforms as much as many. I don't think it's a terrible concept overall, but I think they maybe are a little bit too bold for baseball. They fit a lot better in the NBA than they do in, in MLB. Yeah, I can hear that. I I don't know I don't know what color you'd go with the hat if you don't go powder blue. Like you're not gonna go navy. I I think you would just go navy. I don't know. I'm not. Maybe, I'm not, maybe I'm not 90s afraid. green. But that's the answer. That's that's definitely the answer. Well, as we continue our weekly our, our weekly random, here's a I'll do another on the fly trivia question since we seem to be really killing those. The Brewers have uh, one one league leader who's tied for the lead in the league in uh, in one stat across home runs, RBIs, runs, walks, strikeouts, average on base, OPS, stolen bases. And uh, that leader, who is that, David, and, and what's that? <laughs> is it Brian Anderson, RBIs? Not a, not a bad guess. Unfortunately, it's Christian Yelich strikeouts. Oh. Yelich, uh, not necessarily uh, off, didn't, have a, uh, didn't necessarily have a great week, but uh, the, I was actually thinking the same thing. I was like, you know, thinking... Maybe Brian Anderson. I was just checking in on the Brewers leaderboard across baseball and was thinking maybe Brian Anderson, RBIs. I didn't think Telez would be leading in baseball in home runs, but Pete Alonso already has eight home runs, which is just ridiculous. I think we saw him hit at least one. Was it a couple against us? I know at least one he hit out to right center. Um, Brian Anderson has 14 ribbies on the year. League leader Jordan Alvarez, uh, along with Ryan Mountcastle, have 20 RBIs apiece. So, um, Anderson tenth in baseball with fourteen RBIs. He's had a he's returned to earth a little bit. Brian Anderson that is two sixty seven three seventy one six eighty three slugging, but still an OPS well, it's over. Because that. Brian Anderson went to uh, call NBA playoff games. That's it. That's that's the magic. That's the magic of of Brian Anderson. So, David, before we go today, any final thoughts? Yeah, I have a couple actually. Uh, the first one is is back to the managers. If we want to say six, so are, are we saying played for the Brewers? Probably. That's probably the correct way based on how I phrased it. But Bob Melvin did get his coaching start with the Brewers. He worked as a scout and in the front office in the mid-'90s, and then in 1999 he was Phil Garner's bench coach. So yeah. he didn't play, but we could maybe make him an honorary sixth member to make us not feel as bad about ourselves for butchering the trivia question Good catch. that we made on air. The other, the other final thought I have is Ryan Braun's career at Petco Park. He was he went hit uh, had a 6.15 slugging, 9.34 OPS, 10 home runs in 28 games. So he was good at Petco, which surprisingly that was only five percent better than his average. I think that goes to show how good of a performer Ryan Braun was at the plate. But uh, I, I did think it was it was still notable that he hit as many home runs as he did and had, I think, as good of a slugging percentage. That was the main thing. He didn't have great other numbers, but I think the slugging there, interesting of his career at Petco. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Certainly remember that uh, quite well. 
And yeah, he always did he hit for the no, he didn't hit for the cycle in in San Diego. Did, I don't think he did. I know that he had the the three home run game. Um, he had just like yeah, a lot of like you said, he had a lot of big games in San Diego, which isn't necessarily known for being a, a you know an offensive uh, offensive park by any means. So yeah, three overall home, three home runs went four for five in twenty twelve. There you go. Okay. But I think, maybe, okay. I think maybe it was his first hit or first home run that was in San Diego. That's the other thing that we're remembering. You're right. You're right. I remember that. So Brewers, a uh, very successful week uh, overall, winning three out of four against the Padres and dropping two out of three to the Diamondbacks, but still sitting atop the National League Central. And Brewers uh, heading over to Seattle, where they'll be facing Jared Kelnick, the Wisconsin native, who's actually been on a tear. He's top five in OPS and all of baseball so far. He's been great this year. Um, so, yeah, Brewers will be facing off uh, against Kelnick and the Mariners Monday through Wednesday for a three-game set off day on Thursday, their first in a while. And then uh, coming back home for a pretty long home stretch off uh, against the Red Sox. Red Sox coming to town. Been a minute since we've had uh, the Red Sox, and then the Tigers coming to town, and then the Angels, the 28th through the 30th, if you want to catch Otani or Trout, those guys coming um, shortly. So Brewers will wrap up their homestand and uh, fights continue to stay atop the NL Central amidst the, the many injuries that seem to be piling up for the Brewers. But as always, we will have you covered here at The Barrel Banter. You can find us on Twitter, David's Substack, and of course here on the podcast and YouTube. Appreciate the listen. And uh, well, as always, this is Peter and David Go signing off. Go Brewers. listening to the barrel banter we'd appreciate it if you leave a comment or review so we can get the word out about our show to hear more find us on youtube at the barrel or on twitter at the barrel mke we look forward to connecting with you next time